Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome, everybody. There's Shirley. Let's go ahead and invite to speak. There we go. Shirley, you should see that pop up, and you can just click on it and come on up. Look at that. Awesome. All right. Very good. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Uh, we're still waiting for uh, David. But yeah, this is exciting stuff. Welcome, everybody, to JavaScript Jam Live. We do this every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And this is where we talk about anything and everything having to do with, obviously, JavaScript and web development. Uh, there's David. I'll add him up. There we go. Um, and, yeah, it, it, I want to say this real quick. I just want to say whether you're a beginner or whether you're an advanced developer, it does not matter, um, or even just thinking about getting into it, we would love to hear from everybody. So, um, you know, this is a very much a, an open mic platform and, uh, you know, space, and we try to have as many people involved as possible. Um, so if you have any questions, if you have any comments, any facts, any opinions, it doesn't matter. We want to hear from you. So feel free to request to come up um, ask a question or whatever it might be. Okay. Um, today we're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff. Um, and, uh, react rally with some react rally speakers, uh, David and Shirley, super excited to have them up here with us today. Um, very glad for uh, them taking time out of their day to hang out with us and hopefully have a great time as we usually do on these Wednesdays. Um, with that being said, uh, I'm going to make a couple, um, introductions, uh, and then, uh, we can each go around and kind of introduce ourselves and then we'll go from there. Um, uh, so my name is, uh, Scott Steinlogge and I am the technical community manager at Edgeo and co-host of this year podcast. By the way, one of our co-hosts is missing today, unfortunately, Anthony, he is out sick today. But we do have Ishan with us here for a little bit at least. Um, super excited to have him. So Ishan, you want to introduce yourself and then we can go uh, down the line there. Yeah, I just managed to get speaker status. I had to log out and log back in. Uh, hi, everyone. I am Ishan Nand. I'm VP of product at Edgeo uh, and, and work with Scott. And really excited today to have uh, David and Shirley here to talk to us about React Rally. Um, you know, before we jump into uh, introductions, maybe we should just tell people just the basics, Scott, of React Rally, uh, where sure. and when it is, and then let's let's have our guests introduce themselves. Yeah, I think that would be a great idea. Absolutely. So React Rally is August 17th through the 18th, coming up really soon here. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, be sure to get them. By the way, I will put a link in the, in the comments uh, a little bit later on um, where you can get 30%-ish. I think it might even be 35 don't quote me on that, but it's like 30% is off of your ticket, which is huge, steep discount uh, that React Rally has given us to give to people because um, we're kind of just doing this nice little collaboration uh, together with them. So really excited for that. Um, but yeah, React Rally is basically a two-day conference designed for developers of all backgrounds from seasoned professionals to those just kind of starting out, right? And uh, it's, a, it's a single track program. So you'll be like immersed in a variety of exciting kind of presentations that cover a range of topics, including like state management, hooks, accessibility, performance, JavaScript, of course, native applications, career growth, and more. So <clears throat> it's very inclusive and it's a great place to network and learn and share experiences with, with other like-minded individuals, just like this here uh, live that we do every Wednesday. So we thought it very fitting. And, uh, you know, we've done a couple of these collaborations before with other events in the past, as y'all may know, and maybe if you don't, now you do. Um, and we, we do it because these are events that uh, we have a passion for and that we like and want to help collaborate with, um, you know, no monetary means or uh, exchange during these things. It's just for some fun collaboration efforts that we do together. So it's, it's fun. Um, all right. With that being said, Ishan, do you want to kick it off? And, and I guess sure. uh, David and Shirley, you can kind of introduce yourselves, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, so uh, Shirley, why don't, why don't you start? Tell us a little bit about yourself, and then uh, I'll hand it over to David. 
thank you so much for having me today, Scott and Isha. My name is Shirley, uh, and I actually have no idea how to introduce myself anymore. I started as a software engineer, um, a front-end developer, went uh, solo, independent, and concentrated on data visualizations for like five or six years. Had the amazing opportunity to talk at React Rally in 2017 and 2018, I think. Um, and then during the pandemic, I decided that I really wanted a huge change and went back to grad school for art and technology. And I just uh, graduated and um, and just wanted to get back in and uh, had the amazing pleasure to be able to be a speaker again at React Rally this year, uh, talking about uh, not at all JavaScript. <laughs> so we'll see talking much more about personal things, about burnout and identity and um, going through all of that in tech. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, interesting. Uh, so let's come back to what, what you guys are going to be talking about after we go through the intros. But one thing I'll just call out, um, you know, it's such a fascinating background. And if you go to your, you know, if we get, if people go to your website, um, which is shirleywoo.studio, you have this uh, people of the pandemic which is kind of a, a, yes. a really interesting synthesis of your background in terms of visualization and engineering. Uh, and it's a, uh, it's, well, why don't you describe it briefly for folks? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you so much. Um, so I'll actually mention that a uh, project in my talk, uh, upcoming talk, but, uh, it came from a place of deep frustration in March, 2020, where, um, with my background in data visualization, um, I was seeing a lot of really, really huge numbers coming from a lot of newsrooms um, and a lot of those kind of dashboards that were keeping track of the COVID numbers. And I became really kind of frustrated not knowing how to make sense of because once a number gets so big, we as human beings just can't empathize with it. So the People of the Pandemic game um, is kind of a simulation, but instead of a simulation from the community level, it's a simulation from an individual actions level. Um, and so I had this core uh, question of um, how does my individual actions affect uh, the spread of, uh, we ended up uh, calling it an imaginate, uh, imaginate, uh, sorry, imaginary a virus, but how does a imaginary virus uh, spread through a very real community? And it's a yeah, like you said, um, I it's it's a mashup of D three. I actually use Vue for that one, um, but it, it's a little bit kind of like a dashboard, but also with very interesting um, uh, the choices you make within the UI affect the next set of things that you see. Um, yeah, I'm happy to talk yeah. about that uh, project more later. Yeah, sure. Let's uh, let's give David a chance to introduce himself. David, uh, I've read you know some of your work, but I think it's the first time I've been on a space with you. Uh, why don't you give folks an introduction uh, to to yourself? Yeah, sure. So I am David K, and I like playing the piano. Hence, David K piano. That's not really my last name. It's just something <laughs> I really enjoy. And I, I actually went to college for that, and then I realized that you get paid a little bit more being a developer, so I sort of just did that for over a decade now. Um, let's see, what else about me? I like CSS, animation, state machines, and I'm also a huge fan of Shirley's database work, <laughs> and I have been for a few years, so uh, yeah. Um, and really anything visual, that's sort of just my thing. It, it, it's how I learn and how I like to express pretty much everything. So um, that's where state machines really come into play. Yeah. Do you want to tell people a little bit more about XState and Stately AI uh, and what you're doing there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I should mention that. So I created XStates and actually I like the the first big announcement that I gave for that library, like back when it had all of seven stars was at React Rally in 2017. And so oh, wow. that was really the first time that I educated developers at a bigger scale about like, hey, there's this really cool thing called state machines. They're not just this boring academic topic that you're forced to learn in university. Uh, they're actually really useful for expressing uh, flows and states in your user interfaces. And here's how you could use it. 
and here's a library that I made for it. So uh, that's what I presented in 2017. And ever since then, um, I've just been working on XDate, you know, with a few other contributors for many years and uh, decided over the pandemic to start a startup about it and just see how far we could take this idea. Very cool. You know, if I was to summarize the, the pitch for it, you know, for especially somebody who, you know, did the state machines right in college that you learned and you thought, oh, that, that's boring. The, the real advantage here or one of the key advantages are, you know, you get more reliability out of, you know, stuff that's in state machines and you actually get to, and this is what I think is really powerful, expose code logic almost in like a low code manner to non-developer stakeholders so that they can understand as well as potentially control the system. Is that a, a fair, you know, pitch for for XState? Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what we're pitching, you know, with XState and Stately 2, where we're not just trying to hide complexity. We're trying to expose it in a very clear and visual way, but also bringing it to a language, uh, you know, low-code, no-code, yeah. like you said, where the entire team could really understand it. And honestly, that's like one of the biggest benefits not, not just of our tools, but of the idea of using state machines as this common language is that when you show your project manager or designer or someone less technical these boxes and arrows, immediately their mind goes like, oh, that's a flowchart. <laughs> I could follow the yeah. arrows. When this event happens in this state, I go to this state so I know what's going to happen next. And that is much more preferable than just showing them a huge block of code or being like, oh, let, let me just run through the application with you and show you how it works. Like, just just show them a flowchart or state machine. Yeah, <laughs> and, and maybe it's worth letting people know that, you know, Stately AI is a company, but XState, the library, is open source. Um, at, Completely at, open source, yeah. And uh, what frameworks does it support right now? Uh, it supports, so I mean, you could use it pretty much with any framework. We didn't really tie it to any specific framework, uh, but it's, we, we have adapters for React, Vue, Svelte. There's the, the latest release was XState Solid. Uh, someone in the community made an XState Stencil. Funny enough, there are no adapters for Angular, but people use it in Angular anyway because you could easily use it with ArxJS. So it just works. Um, yeah. Okay, that's great. I, I didn't realize it was announced at React Rally. So definitely a lot mm -hmm. of history for both of you uh, with, with the conference. So uh, yeah. let's, let's switch to the conference itself. Um, surely when I looked this morning, unless they've updated it, your talk title was still TBD. Uh, so you've, yeah. you've got a cliffhanger <laughs> for us. Can, can you like, what can you tell us to, to, to whet our appetite about what you're going to be talking about? Yeah, so it's still TBD because uh, I'm still not fully sure yet about my talk title. I, I have the whole talk actually already, mm -hmm. um, but I think um, the talk title tentatively is called, well, I actually, I'm not sure if I want to spell okay. it. Actually, I think, um, but uh I guess uh, <laughs> I originally kind of just pitched this idea to React Rally about um, this talk started about a year ago um, when as kind of being in grad school for the last two years was this kind of unexpected gift I gave myself where I got to really slow down um, from the five years of client work I was doing mm -hmm. and take a moment and concentrate on just myself and all the kind of things and especially emotional baggage I had um, growing up as a Chinese girl and then a Chinese American woman um, in tech. Uh, and then as I kind of started to dig into all of that baggage, I started to realize how much my... Um, my work has helped me kind of work through all of that. Um, and so it really is a very, very, very personal talk um, that I only feel comfortable giving at a handful, less than a handful of conferences in the world. Um, and so uh, React Rally is one of the three conferences that I really, really wanted to give it at because 
I think it's one of the first tech conferences where I just felt so embraced and welcomed for who I was. Um, when, you know, like before <laughs> tech conferences were really intimidating. Mm. Um, and, um, and so I think React Rally was one of the first places that really gave me the courage to fully embrace myself as a software engineer, as a speaker. And so I just, it's, it's kind of like a, like a love letter and a thank you to the web community. Oh, wow. That's, that's really powerful. Um, do you have examples of what, because I know you don't want to give away too much of your talk, um, but examples of what React Rally did compared to maybe other conferences that made you feel welcomed, like maybe one or two illustrative, you know, stories or things that they did, even if they're minor, uh, compared to... Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, growing up the way I did as a Chinese-American woman, um, my first few years in tech was very, um, let's say, uh, polarizing. <laughs> There were some experiences that were really, really good, certainly from kind of the learning perspective and the challenges and coding. That was really fun. Mm -hmm. um, but over the first few years of my career, I started to realize um, how sexist <laughs> uh, some of the experiences I had were. Mm -hmm. um, and one of, the, uh, one of the key moments for me was um, actually at React Rally, I actually always kind of cite these two moments that really, because I used to live in a very like ignorance is bliss sort of mindset. And so I wasn't even aware of kind of the mansplaining that would frequently happen to me. Um, and there was a moment in 2017 when I was giving my uh, first React Rally talk where uh, towards the end of my talk, I was kind of going through some of my code um, and then, um, and then someone all the way in the back just yells out right in the middle of my presentation, I can't read your code, make it bigger. Uh, and then, uh, and then I just kind of tried for a few moments to enlarge the text, um, couldn't get that working. So I was like, oh, I'll post the code later. And I just went on with the rest of my talk, not thinking anything of mm. it, because this is kind of just the regular occurrences of my life as a woman in tech. Um, and having to explain myself, like, you know, so many more times than maybe some of my um, male colleagues. And it, it never really occurred to me until afterwards, there was quite a few attendees um, that came up to me and was mad on my behalf and was like, you know, that that person was really out of line, um, you know, but like you you carried yourself so well throughout the rest of that talk, like you weren't phased and you just went straight into um, straight back into your presentation. And that sort of like both of like, I think they I think maybe they talked to the person after I can't quite remember, but that sort of like both a getting mad on my behalf to help me realize that something had happened that wasn't okay. And then also then like reassuring me um, was kind of a really, yeah, uh, a big moment for me. And, and the rest of the interactions were also very warm. Um, I has like I still have really lovely memories of having dinner with David and a lot of the other speakers and attendees. So um, it's, it's a lot of little things. Got it. So it's it wasn't just you know the mechanics of the conference. It was the warmth of not even the organizers, but also the other attendees. Um, yeah, and, attendees. And yeah. the way they looked at you is not just a speaker, um, but actually cared about you know your mental state, you know, in, in that moment. Um, and that made feel more, a lot more welcoming. What were, I'm, yeah, well, I'm curious, you said one of three conferences, what are the other, what are the <laughs> other two, you know, and it's yeah. because, um, you know, it's important because the, you know, the technology web development space has been, you know, sometimes pitched as an on-ramp to, you know, career advancement, but if it's not, you know, a welcoming or inclusive space, then it, it continues to, to not fulfill that. 
that goal or mission. So I'd be curious, what are those other conferences for others that you thought were particularly worth calling out as welcoming? Oh, yeah. So they're actually kind of the other two communities that I'm sort of involved in. One of them is um, the data visualization community. So earlier this year, um, there was a conference called Outlier. Um, and the data visualization community and the web community are like the two communities that really help me believe in myself and my own work and my own mm -hmm. work. Um, so that's one. And then later in September, um, there's Beyond Tellerand in Berlin, which also, which is also one of those, like the audiences are just so, I think the, the, for all of these conferences, I think the organizers just curate a very kind of warm and welcoming and safe space. And Beyond Tellerand is kind of like a front-end web development, but also with a mix of art. And I, I think of it kind of like an art and technology kind of conference. Oh, interesting. I'm, I'm noticing a recurring theme here with the intersection of art and technology. Um, and I, <laughs> I wasn't, I must confess, familiar with Beyond Tellerand. I'm just looking up right now. Um, but they have it right there on the homepage. Uh, it looks like it's in September 11 and 12 uh, in Berlin. But it, the quote at the yeah. top is, at Beyond Tellerand, there is no stage. Speakers are there as participants just as much as their attendees. Join us in one of the yeah. most inspiring series of events. Um, that sounds, you know, amazing at, at one level, like there's no speakers. But at the other time, like amazingly disconcerting, like not like any other conference I think most people <laughs> have been to. What is that like? Like, could you just describe how you even organize something like that? Is it more like the old uncamps used to be, or the the food camps and bar camps? Um, yeah. Oh, I think I think uh, they just mean. So the last iteration yeah. I was at in 2019, there's definitely uh, speakers yeah. on the stage. Okay. I think they just mean that, like you know, there's no because some conferences I do feel like separate the speakers from the attendees, and like there's like a speaker lounge or like. And I think they just mean that, like, you know, the speakers are also there attending as human beings is what I think they mean. Got it. OK. Uh, OK, great. Um, so we're almost at the halfway point. So I'll just do a, a quick station break. Actually, Scott, I'll let you do the station break. And then uh, David on here about uh, what you're going to be speaking about at React Rally. But okay. Scott, take it away. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Greatly appreciate everybody being here and listening in. Shirley, uh, thank you so much for the awesome uh, stories and things so far. I'm sure we'll have much more to talk about here shortly. Um, and also, therefore, hearing from David, too, and, and all the goodness that he has to talk about with uh, events and React Rally, of course. Um, but yeah, I just want to say if you're a beginner, whether you're, whether you're a beginner or whether you're an advanced uh, developer, it doesn't matter. We want to hear from everybody. So um, this is, you know, even though we do have two guests here today with us, we would love to still hear from people in the, in the audience. Um, in fact, that, that helps to increase the value, um, you know, for everybody that's here, uh, not only participating um, as a speaker, but in, in the audience as well. Because um, we just genuinely get some great conversation out of that, typically, and it's usually quite genuine and, and fun. So um, please feel free to request to come up and we'll be more than happy to have you up here uh, to spark some more conversation. Um, yeah, and by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to JavaScript Jam, go to javascriptjam.com, subscribe to our awesome newsletter that Anthony, uh, who's not here today, typically writes <clears throat> and uh, spends a good amount of time on and uh, has everything, uh, all the latest stuff on, on JavaScript and web development in, in, the, in those niches, respectively. And so therefore, you don't want to miss out on the, you know, the latest things. So not just that, we also mentioned what we're going to be talking about in, in today's conversations and on, on Wednesdays and things like that, too. So uh, don't be missing out, y'all. And several of you in this room are already on our newsletter. So thank you for all you here who are and the hundreds of others that are, too. So greatly appreciate it. With that being said, uh, let's, let's keep rolling. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I know it's a, a number of our regulars. So, uh, and definitely go to javascriptjam.com and, and subscribe. So David, uh, let's talk about your talk at React Rally. Um, I love the title, Use What, as in like the way the hooks are named. Why don't you tell people about uh, how you came up with the title and what you're talking about? Yeah, so uh, that I, I, I sort of want to keep a little bit of a secret too, okay. just because it's <laughs> going to be an interesting talk. But um, I, I will say that it is inspired by 
Uh, there was a talk by Gary Bernard in 2012 at Codemash called What? Just W-A-T. And uh, he, he, it was a lightning talk, but he was talking about some of the um, idiosyncrasies of, uh, I forgot what language, probably, oh yeah, so it was JavaScript. Uh, and it, it was absolutely hilarious. And I was like, you know what? We need one of these talks for React. Uh, but the thing is, it's both going to be completely about React, but not about React at all. And so that's going to be like one of the final messages of the talk. But um, I mean, we have to admit React is a little bit weird in a lot of areas. And uh, yeah. What, uh, without giving away your talk, like, is it going to be about things that most people misunderstand about React? Is it going to be the gotchas or like the really like crazy, you know, weird things like why do we have to deal with this? Or is it going to be all three? Yeah, I, I would say all three. Okay. Um, last year, I, I gave a bunch of talks about use effects. Yeah. And um, uh, for better or worse, that got a lot of attention with, you know, people saying, I don't know, React or whatever. And then React's core members actually being like, hey, yeah, that was a great talk. And so that left me confused. But uh, yeah, so use effect is definitely one of those foot gunny parts of React. But yeah, I, I just wanted to expand that talk and talk about the the rest of React too. And also just talk about mental models and how to think about React and designing applications and basically just stepping away from thinking too much about the specific technology and focusing on you know, more important things. Yeah, so it's like you're going to be a better developer from walking away from this this talk because you'll have seen all, all the, the so-called foot guns in, in the framework. Um, and so you don't get burned by them the hard way. Um, yeah, that's part of it. I, you know, when you talk about, you know, the areas of React and its its warts, my my head immediately goes to two places. One is the one that, that get the most kind of complaints, at least that I, I see uh, in my bubble. Um, one is hooks, which you already talked about. Uh, do you feel like, you know, it's deserved or not uh, in general in terms of kind of the, the kind of the, the, the pushback on, on hooks was actually broadly adopted really fast, faster than I expected. Um, but now it feels like people are like, oh, this is actually getting harder to reason about. Do you think that's deserved or it's just people need to learn the, the execution model better? Um, no, I, I, I think it is deserved in a way. I mean, it, it was definitely a huge step forward for React, but um, yeah, just like with any API, like we, we look at it and we say like, you know what, that is so simple, so easy. Like we could just use whatever and then things magically work. And over time, as applications get more complex, which I, this sort of echoes like what I talked about in my state machine talks and things like that. Um, but when applications get more complex, you start to discover all of the foot guns and gotchas of choosing an approach that's too easy. Uh, and so easy things become hard, if that makes sense. And hard things become harder after a while. So, but I, I wouldn't say it's directly React's fault mm -hmm. just because, especially as an open source maintainer, designing APIs is just ridiculously hard, especially when you have a lot of people using it. Um, you know, you're, you're worried about breaking things. You're trying to make sure that everyone has the right mental model. It's definitely not an easy thing to do. And there is no single perfect API, I would say. Like, there's always going to be trade-offs in whatever choice you make. And so that's part of the, you know, well, one of the biggest burdens of open source maintainers mm. is uh, just choosing the, the lesser of the evils, really. <laughs> Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, there, it's it's really about the context. Um, mm -hmm. The I'll talk about that too. Context. Yes. Oh man. Um, <laughs> there's a secondary, but I think we've got somebody requesting to come to the stage. Is that? Let me double check. Okay. Uh, well, then I'll move on to the the second half of the question I was asking. And uh, MCQ, feel free to come off mute, and uh, we'll uh, we'll let you ask your question. So the second thing is kind of like today's controversy in, in React land, and that is uh, React server components. Um, what, are you, what are your opinions on, on React server components? Good, bad, <clears throat> remains to be seen. Uh, where, where do you sit on that? I'm, I'm definitely in that remains to be seen. Um, a lot of React's major shifts, uh, hooks included, mm -hmm. even though they weren't like very 
public about it until they were just about to release it, which I thought was really smart. Mm -hmm. But many of them like just took years to incubate and develop and, you know, just uh, all of that. Server components were one of those things where they were pushed out pretty rapidly. I think they were they were announced, I think about two years yeah. ago. So sure, they were many years in the making, but then it was very much conference-driven developments. Next.js had a conference and they were like, okay, we need to get server components or at least our flavor of it pushed out and released and just announced to the whole world and usable uh, by everyone in the newest Next uh, 13. And, you know, just like, like I was talking about, when things seem easy at first, when you start, you know, developing and working on applications for a while, you start to notice the warts and the, the places where things get hard. And it's become apparent to a lot of React developers that um, even though server components are great, they might have been prematurely released where there's just still a lot of things to figure out, uh, which is fine if it's a beta technology, but now it's just a, um, you know, like Next and Vercella are expecting people to use this in production. So <laughs> that's a little bit of a problem, but that's why like, it's a mixture of good and bad. Like they're definitely a huge step forward in some regards, but I'm, I'm just remaining like in this, let's wait and see neutral stance. Got it. Um, yeah, it's, you made a really good point in comparison with hooks, which was like much more polished once it was released. And for React server components, they were, you know, I like your phrase conference driven development. Uh, it was more consensus, more collaborative. And it's, you know, it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, their reward for it was maybe more controversy um, instead of, you know, the, the kind of more smooth adoption that Hooks got, at least at the beginning. Right. Yeah. Have you started using React server components yourself in, in your work or you're still, you know, still remains to be seen. So you'll wait to see what other folks do. I'm way too busy to <laughs> like really play around with stuff like that. And I mean, I, I played around with it, but the, for, for the toy examples, it seemed, you know, very straightforward. You know, if you're using the latest version of Next, uh, you just have to remember to put your use clients in the right spot. And like, there's this mental model of like what you're allowed to import where. And it's like, ironically, it's one of those things that it becomes intuitive after you play with it mm -hmm. a little bit, which is sort of the opposite of intuitive. So uh, <laughs> it, yeah. it becomes like muscle memory. You have to train. Uh, it, it, exactly yeah. yeah that makes a lot of sense um okay great um well you know i do have uh questions you know beyond react rally on your personal projects and uh i'll i'll transition over to those but i want to let the audience and remind them feel free to raise your hand and we'll bring you up to the stage um you know david with you on x state um i'm curious you know given how much uh ai is all the rage have you seen anything that's interesting about the intersection of using state machines to describe code or as an output from an LLM uh, in terms of like program control or program synthesis, uh, given all the work that's around there? And, and maybe you haven't had a chance to play around with that, but I'm curious if there's an intersection there. Oh, I, I love this question. I, <laughs> I, I gave a couple of talks um, about it so far, oh, and it's okay. still an idea yeah. that, uh, that, that we're developing, but... The idea is that like right now, whether you love or distrust LLMs, and I totally get it if you do, ChatGPT isn't the most reliable. And it is true that LLMs have these fundamental flaws of they, um, they're they not deterministic, meaning that if you give it the same prompt, it's not always gonna give you the same response. In fact, it pretty much never gives you the same response, even with a temperature of zero. Uh, they're not accurate all the time. Like they will confidently give you wrong answers. And they're not explainable. Like you cannot reason with how an LLM got to a certain conclusion. Uh, yet people are using this technology to control what are known as agents, where you could think of it as like implicit prompts being stitched together so that an agent accomplishes a certain task. Um, and so when, when that was revealed, I sort of compared it to state machines where state machines are very classically used in, uh, in game AI. So if you were to program enemy behavior or like opponent behavior in a video game, you would likely use a state machine or a more like a higher level abstraction of a state machine, such as a behavior tree. Mm. 
um, or, or state charts or things like that. And so what I did when LLMs came out is I started experimenting with like just a combination of them where I thought, what if an LLM could just translate just normal human text into some sort of pre, like it basically choose from a predefined set of goals outlined by a state machine. And because the state machine is a directed graph, all you really have to do is say, okay, let's find the shortest path to get from point A to, or the initial states to whatever that goal is. And so with a combination of those, you basically have LLMs with guardrails and they're explainable, they're deterministic. You can pretty much predict where they're going to go. The only slightly unpredictable part is it choosing the right end states, but you're basically having an LLM choose between a finite set of states, which is, you know, finite state machines versus just letting it free to go try to do whatever it wants. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely feels like it's a potential, you know, arrow in the quiver of things that we can bend the reliability of these, these large language models to something more consistent. Um, there's a, a great, uh, you know, series of litmus tests. Uh, I have to find the talk, but it, the ex Google product manager, about it's a flowchart on should I use ML, and one of those is about like how well can I tolerate reliability errors, um, as well as you know not knowing exactly how the product functions, and it feels like this this could be really useful for that. Do you have examples of like even if they're just test examples or maybe even production examples of where somebody's actually tried this or maybe you've tried, experimented with it, like an example of where you've used a LLM as either input to generating the state machine or input to driving a state machine? Um, so yeah, in internally we do have demos of, uh, so Staley AI is basically a state machine studio mm -hmm. editor. You know, you could manage your logic that way. And so we, we have some internal demos where we're just asking um, chat GPT, like, hey, make me a state machine that does this and it will generate it. And you could get really creative, like um, generate me a state machine on how to make a donut. And it will just figure out all the steps and just put it on a nice state machine. Um, so that was pretty cool. But the the demo that I gave recently was uh, I made a very simple JavaScript espresso machine where all it knew how to do was boil water, extract coffee, grind the beans, and just combine ingredients like milk and things like that. Uh, it had no notion of what a cappuccino or a cortado or any of these um, named drinks are. So... Uh, using an LLM and attaching it to that state machine that I you know, used for the espresso machine, I was able to demonstrate that like I could ask this machine to make me a cappuccino and it would know the exact ingredients to put and how to combine them together and the correct steps to do that because it also had that state machine to work from. And so I thought that was pretty cool where you could basically use LLMs to augment the functionality of any existing application. That is very cool. Um, I think we had somebody come That's up. That's awesome. Yeah, Ken uh, uh, Ken was up here, but it said connecting. So it looks like he bounced out. Maybe he'll be able to get back in. Okay. Uh, you know, Twitter, we have these issues. Or X, shall I say. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I now have to – I've gotten to the point where if I start typing T to get to Twitter, it brings up Twitch in front of, of, of X now. <laughs> uh, old habits die hard um but uh getting back to that example uh david i, I just encourage you that'd be really cool if you just did a, a youtube video or a, a post on it i think that'd be really cool to see um how you know you made that work and, and put it together uh yeah, so definitely encourage awesome. you to open that up i i'd love to yeah yeah very cool thank you um so you know surely kind of in the same vein uh, you do a lot of work around visualization. Um, have you found in, you know, an interesting use for generative AI, you know, whether it's in kind of classic visual generative AI or using an LLM for any of that um, in, in what you do? Yes. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, I was just so wrapped listening to like David and Sean talk that I just, <laughs> um, I didn't even realize I was on mute. Um, I was just about to say that it was so interesting to listen to this conversation and also be able to kind of 
I'm, I'm really excited about React Rally because I feel like I've been outside of the web and JavaScript mm. world for about two and a half years. And it's just, and I love that this is kind of, for me personally, a teaser of um, getting all of the up-to-date things. Um, but uh, yes, uh, so um, for the last two years, I've been mainly concentrating on a lot of physical uh, computing mm -hmm. Sort of work. So a lot of Arduinos and, and motors oh, and LEDs and digital fabrication yeah. and all of this uh, was because I think that part of my burnout in during the pandemic was just getting. I I don't I, I feel like maybe I should not be saying this on a JavaScript podcast, but getting really tired of all the edge cases and. Um, different screen sizes for developing for the web. Um, and so I went like kind of 180 into physical. And it's been really, really cool and fun to think about how my visualizations and data work um, and data storytelling work can live in a physical room where people can walk through and be immersed. So having said that, um, I'm only now starting to like look into the chat GPTs and the mid journeys and all of those now that I've graduated um, so I'm about like a year behind, um, but my initial impressions are um, definitely a lot of worry from where I'm coming from as kind of, I think of the core of my work as telling stories with data, understanding data and communicating them. And I think that uh, like web and digital and, and, you know, Arduino and all of that is uh, different mediums that I use to do that data storytelling. And so from a kind of as a data professional, um, I'm extremely worried about um, exactly what both of you have just said about um, a lot of these LLMs, uh, LLMs not telling you how they got to a conclusion, um, not being able to cite their sources, and uh, and then not even telling you that it just confidently lied. These are all like data verification and validation is all a huge part of our work. And I do feel like um, <laughs> I, I do feel like in the future, it's definitely going to make our jobs easier. But for now, it feels like it's making our jobs harder um, <laughs> because now we have to do even more work in validating whatever output that these LLMs have given us. Having said that, I am really also excited about what it could do for us. Um, and I just haven't had the chance to really be able to dig into it. Um, and I do think that because the field that I work in is still feels so niche, um, I think it's hard for me to, let's say, go to Midjourney and be like, generate me something, like generate a design for me for a data visualization of XYZ. Um, that's not something that I can do yet even from just like a using midjourney as a um as a way to get let's say design inspiration and um i haven't had the chance to try anything with ChatGPT or any of the others about um you know trying to generate a story for the kind of work i do so um, all of that to say, uh, in the next few months, I'm actually planning to look into LLMs, both from the mindset of a user, but also I think it'd be really interesting to finally dive in and try and, like, at least from a surface level, try and visualize and understand how these, how they're working underneath the hood, which um, I've started to read into as um, actually quite straightforward things that are just done at really large scale. Yeah, I'll be really curious to see what you find in terms of its visualization capabilities, especially given your background. From what, you know, you see out there, there's, you know, you can go into Code Interpreter with GPT-4 and you can give it a, a mm -hmm. piece of data and you can ask it to do, you know, let's call it straightforward, canonical, common visualizations, like, what are mm -hmm. interesting in here and show me like the revenue over time, right? Those like, it definitely can do that. But I'm, I'm curious with somebody like you, you know, in the driver's seat, if you feel like it's capable to push the limits of visualization where you might want it to go um, and where you need to augment it and how you can maybe prompt engineer it into places that it have, hasn't mm -hmm. gone before. So I'm really, really curious to see what you come up with uh, once you start yeah, playing around with it. Thank you so much. Um, 
And, yeah. and maybe it's worth mentioning for the audience, there is a talk at React Rally um, by Eric Allen uh, called Imagined Dragons, building an imagination-powered music recommendation platform. And it's about using LLMs. Um, in this case, I think it's for creating mixtapes, uh, just as an intro to prompt engineering, dealing with chat GPT and integrating it into your, your product uh, React Next.js application. Um, so if you're going to, to React Rally, and again, we have a, uh, I believe we have a, a, a discount code. I put um, it up top just oh, now. Great. Okay, yeah. Uh, Look at the Jumbotron. There you go, the right there up. at the top of the Jumbotron. Uh, you'll get a discount if you use that link, um, if you're not already going, uh, but definitely check out that talk if you're interested in more on this topic. Um, so uh, moving on, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious. This is a talk on, on React, sorry, a conference on React and in some sense also for the web. So I'm curious, you know, looking ahead, um, what you guys are excited about or you think are the chief concerns or challenges for the React ecosystem or the web as a whole? Um, we've just come out of, you know, the, the competition between the web and apps, and I think we've, we've reached kind of a, a steady state on that. Um, and now, obviously, AI is very top of the news, but what, and we've got React server components, you know, as we've already talked about, is kind of potentially a wait and see. But I'm curious, you know, starting with you, David, what you feel are, you know, the, the big questions the ecosystem needs to sort out, whether it's for the web or React, and what you're most excited about. I, I would say that the, you know, as awesome as it is, the evergreen problem with React is it's simultaneously moving too fast, but also not fast enough. And so too fast as in like, hey, we're introducing these things where it's like, uh, you know, with server components and what was concurrent mode and everything. And it just feels like a fire hose of new things that you have to learn. And full disclosure, all of these like hooks, like um, use transition mm -hmm. and things like that. I, I haven't even touched yet, even suspense. Like I, I know how they work and everything, but I just haven't had to use it in my day-to-day -day project. And I feel like the, the same holds true for probably 80% of React devs. Um, but like, it, it also like forces you to just have a different mental model of React uh, in order to work with it. And uh, the whole not moving fast enough thing is like, there's all of these innovative ideas, but it's just things where, you know, it's not going to be released for many, many years. And so that just gives you worry. It's like, should I adopt this? Should I not? Should I just not worry about it? Is it going to like be like in current mode where it disappears after a year or gets transformed into something different? Um, and also like, React is, I, I guess a combination of those two things means that React is very squarely designed for web apps, like just your normal mm -hmm. web apps where, you know, you could probably take it a step above CRUD, but when you're wanting to do like more exploratory imag imaginative things, um, then React becomes a little bit cumbersome to do. So for example, stately.ai, it's built on Next.js and it's built on React and I think that with um, you know building a fully dynamic Canvas application and trying to make the performance as good as possible, you're sort of fighting against React. And something that I'll talk about in my talk too is that all of these libraries that you know are just uh, you know seen as really really good and powerful libraries in React, like Framer Motion and React Query, if you look at their internals, you realize that they are really good libraries despite React, not because of React, but despite React. So um, yeah, I guess all that's just to say that I, I would love to see React just move in a direction where it enables more uh, from the developers where they can make more imaginative applications, you know, where it makes, it, it provides us tools to make like data visualizations and uh, Canvas applications and just all sorts of things like that. Could you elaborate a little bit more on the fighting React? Is that because of, you know, reconciliation and everything else going on that may lead to inefficiency and, you know, unnecessary, well, maybe not renders to the DOM, but, you know, renders within the React tree? Like what, could you elaborate? Or is it just poor Canvas support? Uh, I've never actually dealt with Canvas that much in, in React. Uh, so, so by Canvas, sorry, I meant like Canvas-like applications. Okay. So that could be a combination of HTML, SVG, or, you know, even the, 
uh, even the canvas itself. And uh, th this probably warrants a bigger topic, and I'll talk about most of this in my talk. Ah, but okay. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mainly, it's just that uh, React wants to control everything. And if you stay within React's happy path, and React is going to be very nice to you. But reality is that not all state lives inside of React. You do have to interact with outside systems. For example, and I'm sure Shirley, actually Shirley did talk about this, D3 especially. That's like a prime example of you're fighting mm. React. Like something else wants to control the state of how the SVGs are rendered and React doesn't like it too much. So you sort of have to like uh, fight React instead of collaborate with React. Got it. Uh, if I was to make an analogy, it's like, controlled versus uncontrolled components, so to speak. And and React just works better. Or it wants everything to, it has control over everything that happens about the component. It wants to control everything. Yeah. It wants, you know, the entire state. And I, I haven't had the joy of working with D3 and React. Um, but I'm sure Shirley could speak more to that, but. Okay, yeah. that, that helps. So Shirley, same question to you. Like, what do you think are the chief obstacles that the community, either the React or our community, should be focused on overcoming? And uh, what are you most excited about in the future of this yeah. ecosystem? And I, I feel like David already answered this so well. Um, and I fully agree with David, which is that I first came into kind of the React ecosystem um, migrating from Backbone because Backbone was painful to integrate with D3. And React and D3 felt so much better than Backbone and D3. Um, but in 2018, I did give a, uh, a talk about exactly what David said about how with D3, when we're trying to have very specific control, when, when I really want D3 to have control of the DOM to be able to render the like visualization elements that I want, um, it's really, really hard to make that work with React. And actually, um, the reason why I stopped pitching or stopped applying to give talks at React Rally was because I stopped using React after that. Oh, wow. Um, and I started to use Vue instead. And now Vue doesn't have, like, Vue was not made to interact with D3, but what Vue does have is really good animation support. And that was something that um, doing data visualizations and especially wanting to visualize in the web um, really complex animations between different data states, um, that the performance that I could get in Vue was so much better than the performance I could get within React because React just didn't prioritize animations as much. Um, and so I'm, I'm now looking at React again, but um, that's, <laughs> that is, I fully agree on the difficulty of um, wanting to do animation heavy, SVG and Canvas and visual elements heavy work in the web with React. And so then I'll also, I also kind of want to answer the question from just thinking about the mm -hmm. web and doing work that uh, really, as, as Davis said, imaginative and experimental and exploratory in the web and wanting to do things with Canvas or SVG or WebGL or any of the things where like you're trying to push like thousands or hundreds of thousands of elements or um, and having them do interesting things. Um, and I could, I'd be very, very happy to be wrong because I've been out of the web ecosystem for like two years. But um, the sense that I got is, um, and now I'll, I'll kind of think, I'll, I'll kind of talk about it from more of a data visualization in the web sort of thought process. But um, I feel like from, uh, for me personally, a lot of the most interesting um, advances in web technology happened um, in the 2016, 2015, 2016 time when I feel like the performance that you can get mm -hmm. out of um, animating complex things on the web mm -hmm. just just got so good that we were doing so such like really interesting and experimental things. Um, and, and I do feel like there has been since then, like incremental improvement in the performance, but, but not, not so gigantic leaps that it's as exciting as it was in 2016. And I also kind of think that, um, 
at least again, thinking from a, the data visualization perspective, um, I do think that because of that kind of maturing of technologies, I'm seeing a lot less experimental, a lot less interesting work. And I think a lot more of standardized work of like building on something that already works, which is really, really great. Um, but um, for me personally, I would love to see like just kind of things that push the boundaries of the web um, again, because I, I just feel like in the last few years, I've I've not been seeing as many things that I find so exciting. Interesting. Do you give a, a, a intuition for like the root cause on that? Was it like 2016, we had a Cambrian explosion because there was a bunch of new APIs and it was the first time a bunch of people got to play around with it. And it was also, you know, maybe the most interesting thing right now at the time in 2016, because we were coming off of native applications and people finally got back to, oh yeah, the web is still interesting and it isn't going away. Um, is like all the attention now somewhere else? Like, do you have a sense of why it stagnated after that? Oh yeah, and and I just want to, again, give this disclaimer yeah. of like, <laughs> you know, I could very much be wrong. Yeah. I'm just in like a, my own corner. Um, but I think the sense I got in 2015 and 2016 is that like, I feel like the browsers really, really, um, uh, and I, I don't think I know like, oh, this is the exact, you know, uh, Chrome and Firefox sure. and Safari version that pushed out this. But I feel like that was when um, the browsers, I think that's around when, you know, like um, 2015, 2014 and 2015 really felt like React was really taking off and there was much more interest in um, building interesting things on the web and interesting experiences on the web. And then I think the browsers were like really putting a lot of effort into performance mm. um, and, and, and like performant animations. And I think interesting animations were starting to, and I don't mean like flash animations. I mean like kind of like browser based animations with like, you know, animating SVG elements or canvas um, uh, and, and have that refresh, you know, the 60 FPS refresh mm -hmm. be really smooth. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that was when that kind of hit a point where it really allowed us to do such interesting work. And I and I, I feel like since then, we've just been getting like, like, you know, the browsers are still doing, are, are doing, like, I know doing amazing work, but just, it just doesn't feel like that huge leap forward anymore. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay, well, we're, we're pretty much uh, at time. I think we'll, we'll have to end on that note. Um, I want to thank both David and Shirley for, for joining us today on JavaScript Jam. Yeah, um, thank you so much. As part of yeah. our collaboration with React Rally. Uh, Scott, why don't you take us out? Absolutely. Yeah, thank you all so much for joining us today. It's been a great, great conversation, uh, many conversations here that we've had today. Um, everything about code, art, JavaScript, the state of different things, uh, AI, uh, visualization. It's all been so, so good. So thank you all so much, um, obviously. And, um, you know, the more personal side of things and being authentic, we love that from both Shirley and David. Um, but, you know, sharing your, your personal stories here coming up soon at React Rally, really exciting for your, your authentic and um, engaging um, talks that you're going to be having. I'm sure you guys will really just make the event uh, that much more of what it, what it really could be. So I'm really excited for that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, uh, scrolling up, there's a, there's a link there at the, in the Jumbotron to get 35% off your tickets. But by the way, if you got any value from anybody that was up here today speaking, uh, Shirley, David, anybody else that came up, um, just click on their face and follow them. Why? Because you're probably going to get value from them in other places too. <laughs> so be sure to give them a good follow. And, uh, you know, obviously JavaScript GM wouldn't mind a follow too. So. Thank you all so much. We love you all. We greatly appreciate everything you guys do and everything uh, just about web development and JavaScript. We just, man, we're just so pumped about this community and us having a very small part in it um, has just been so fun and great. And we're, we're really looking forward to expanding that and getting more involved with other events and just um, having a blast with everybody. So thank you all so much. We love you. And don't forget next week, we do this every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So be sure to give JavaScript Jam a follow so you know, hey, they're live. Go check them out. Uh, we will have actually a couple guests for uh, another event coming up here very soon, uh, which is the Magnolia Conference that's in October. Uh, Magnolia JS, that is. 
Uh, if you haven't ever heard of it, I'm sure you have several of you if you're into JavaScript because it was it's such a cool conference that I've heard a lot of great things about too. So, um, but yeah, we will see you next week. Love y'all. Thank you so much. Thank y'all. You're all so good. Appreciate you. Love y'all. See you in the next one. Peace.